do you know what time it is? It's that time again with Cindy Gern, who has the latest news about employment trends, current opportunities, and innovative strategies for managing a career on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. Hello, everyone. I'm Francesca Molinero, and I'm the guest host today on The Workforce Show. I'm the founder of Decode Leadership, a local coaching and consulting firm, and I'm also a partner in Hacking HR, which is a forum that I've created with my partner, Enrique Rubio, to really bring together people who are excited and passionate about the intersection of HR and technology and what that future of work is going to look like. And today I have the extraordinary pleasure to be with Al Nakvi. Al is a true pioneer in the field of applied artificial intelligence in business and strategy. He's also one of the, the few C-suite level professionals who's uniquely qualified in AI from both the business and technical sides. He's currently the Executive Director of the Society of Artificial Intelligence in Medicine and Healthcare, and also the CEO of American Institute of AI. And his goal is to democratize artificial intelligence responsibly. So I'm very excited about the conversation we're going to have. Welcome, Al. Thank you. Great to be here. So I, I want to jump into the conversation. I look around and I see AI everywhere. You can't pass a newsstand, uh, a newspaper, a news story without something about AI being discussed or written. But I've also read a lot of studies that indicate that most folks can't really define what it is and that most consumers can't even recognize when they're interacting with it. So I wanted to ask you if you can define AI simply for our listening audience and tell us really, what is this AI revolution all about? Sure, so anytime um, you use your Siri, for example, in um, your iPhone, um, you're using artificial intelligence because it's understanding what you're saying and it's trying to do what you're asking it to do, whether it's to make a phone call or, um, or schedule an appointment. Um, so the difference between normal machines and AI or cognitive machines is very simple is that um, cognitive machines have the ability to be cognitive or thoughtful and they can understand um, and um, they can act upon the instructions that are given to them. Um, unlike other machines which are which can only do um, very specific things that you uh, tell them to do, uh, there is no um, thinking involved. So if you turn a car right, uh, it will turn right. If you turn a car left, it will turn left because a human is controlling the car versus an autonomous car, which will drive itself from point A to point B uh, based on the information that's coming in. And it's processing that information. It's making those decisions. So that is really the difference uh, in terms of consumers. You're right that it is everywhere. Um, so not just on magazine covers, but it's in our smartphones, it's in our computers, uh, it's um, being, um, you know, our uh, profiles being analyzed and recommendations being made using AI when we uh, visit a website, 
um, our careers are being managed through that uh, by employers. So there is, it is, uh, it's, it's everywhere right now, and it will only uh, become more and more. Thank you, Al. I think that was insightful. So we have this advent of, of smart machines all around us. I have two young children, and they talk to Alexa all day long in, in my house. But what I understand is that AI technology is not exactly new, and that w there were times in the past when it had been launched, but it didn't do, do too well. So what's different about now? So those times, this is true. It's a uh, you know AI uh, conceptually, and even in uh, uh, in terms of actual um, actual technology, has been around for uh, you know at least since mid fifties or so um, as a concept even before that. So um, the difference between uh, then and now is that we actually have practical applications that we are now using and applying in business and daily lives. Um, and you're right that there were times when it was launched, and in those times or those periods are known as the winners of AI, um, in which uh, you know promises were made. There was a lot of optimism, but it didn't turn out to be as predicted. Um, investment dried out. Um, you know, there was uh, some major disappointments, and then it went through periods in which nothing, no major activity happened. But then, uh, but behind the scenes in research labs, obviously, there was a lot of activity happening, uh, less activity on the commercialization side. And then uh, since 2011, um, what we call now is a period of, um, you know, the revival of AI, essentially, or, but it's being termed as the fourth industrial revolution, or cognitive revolution or AI revolution for good reasons because we have made four advances. Number one in algorithms, so we have um, you know more advanced in your algorithms now. Uh, data management has evolved as a science now, and we have um, tremendous amounts of data that we are capturing that we didn't have before. Um, we also globally now function as a as a combined single brain, almost connected. Uh, so research and development is accelerated. And uh, fourth and most important reason is that our processing power is enormous now. So we can process all that data, which allows us to build a solid, solid layer of artificial intelligence on top of these four capabilities of algorithms, data management, uh, collective combined global community, and processing power. And that means that the new revolution the one that's being launched now is uh, it's irreversible. So it's not a uh, winner. I think spring is here, just like in Narnia. You know, it's uh, it's uh, once in a, once and for all. It's it's over. So I mean, it really sounds like we're we're on the this precipice, and that the change is going to be a tsunami when it hits us. And I'm I'm really curious to explore where you see this impacting employment and the economy. But before I get there, I wanted to ask you a question about your own background, because what fascinates me most is that you're really in this interplay of looking at it from the business and strategy side. So can you tell me a little bit more about what you do and, and how you got to this place? So very early in my career, um, I essentially built, I was, I, I consider myself the first generation with computers, uh, you know, so uh, during the uh, 80s and early 90s, you know, when uh, a lot of uh, 
uh, you know, um, uh, computers became, uh, you know, you had laptops and computers became um, uh, out in colleges and, and uh, people started using them. Um, so um, I built my career on two sides. One was on technology side, one dimension. The second dimension was on finance slash strategy side. So combining these two at all times, it was uh, it was uh, both a passion as well as uh, for pragmatic reasons. So I was I'm, and I think there are many people like me who are now their professionals on business side, but they understand and they work with technology. I um, went a step more, and I actually learned how to uh, how to develop technology, and that helped. And then I took uh, classes and. Um, in uh, um, artificial intelligence, in uh, machine learning, which helped, uh, you know, to clarify these a lot of concepts, and um, and it all came together. So um, the the beauty of this is that uh, technology and business always have to work together uh, to create the future that we all um, are hoping for. Um, and this happened. You can go back to. Uh, and I call this time period 2017 today as 1996 of the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that time, there were a lot of technology people, and then on one side, there were a lot of business people. There was a lot of confusion. Uh, by you know, within the next 10 years or so, by 2006, there was no confusion. Uh, the first thing you did when you thought about launching a new company was not to go register your company, but first to register a domain name, which implied that your business strategy had now transformed and actually become your virtual digital strategy in the first place. And the same thing we will see with artificial intelligence. So uh, it's important for professionals to develop uh, both sides. Uh, and I think that, you know, m- people like me will be the bridge between technology and business. And when we think about what we learned from the internet revolution, where companies that looked at the internet as solely a tech issue and not a business or strategy issue, can you make the analogy to where we are now and how companies need to approach AI? A- absolutely, and and you know that's why uh, with the HR hacking events that you're doing, it's uh, such an important service to do at this point for HR departments uh, and um, you know for broad strategy also. Um, so you saw Blockbuster Video um, that had uh, that saw Netflix coming but was not able to adapt its business model to uh, what was written on the wall. You saw that with uh, Borders Bookstore um, and Amazon coming in. We see that now with, you know, every day. Um, As innovation happens, you have to think differently. You have to think out of the box. You have to really um, envision a future which is very different than your today. Um, and, um, you know, we are seeing that with auto companies now, you know, um, uh, given the, the, ch- um, the new challenge that's coming from Tesla now and autonomous cars, uh, which is redefining the industry. I mean, this is a powerful, powerful change. So one question is very important uh, for executives, I think, is that can they give up what they know now? Um, in hopes of at least simulating an environment of future to see that, you know, how future can be different. And then they can bring back that future into their today and align and integrate that with, uh, with their strategic outlook, um, which, if not done, especially in this revolution that we are starting now, Fourth Industrial Revolution, will be a huge mistake because, um, because it, this will be much more unforgiving uh, than internet revolution was. 
Uh, and because of the competitive dynamics of artificial intelligence are very different than normal uh, economy. Picking up on a thread of that, um, people, there's a lot of people who are freaking out about what the impact of AI will be in terms of competition, our economy, employment. There's this picture that some are painting that we're going to be taken over by robots. Um, what is your take on this? Well, so we look at uh, two facts here. One is uh, Ball State University uh, issued a report that actually showed that 8.8 .8 out of 10 jobs were taken by uh, robots, um, not by China. So all the uh, manufacturing job losses that we see in Midwest and, and um, other states, actually a lot of them, approximately 90% of them, happen uh, to be, um, they have gone to automation. And I think that we can um, expect that trend to continue. So, and then the second uh, is a very well done analysis by um, Fran Osborne, uh, two from uh, from UK, um, who who did these uh, these analysis in which they showed that approximately forty eight percent jobs would be automated by artificial intelligence. So that is a fact. Uh, that is a reality. That is uh, the productivity that we will, as businesses, will aim for. Now, the, which also implies that people have to start thinking differently, and most importantly, our government has to start thinking differently about making sure that 30 years from now or 20 years from now, we don't all of a sudden uh, look back and say, well, you know, we have now 50% of our population unemployed. Uh, what should we do? And I think that the plan for that needs to be put in place today uh, to, to manage through that. It doesn't mean that um, people will not be able to find jobs. It just means that the outlook or what we do will change. But what we will do is what we need to get trained on. Um, so very, very quickly, we need to start thinking about, you know, which uh, careers will, uh, uh, will function in the future. Yeah, I think there's going to be some very profound impacts for us as those of us who are HR professionals, right. how we think about learning and development. Um, we think about what are the jobs that are going to be, what's going to be needed in our sectors and in our industries. Can you tell me a little bit more about um, the other side of how is AI potentially going to help us do our job as human resource professionals? Well, of course. I mean, uh, from, from an HR perspective, uh, the uh, ability to not only uh, recruit and, and um, staff your jobs uh, will become much more focused and efficient, uh, but also context sensitive. So in terms of, you know, the, the loss of productivity that happens because of mismatch uh, between skill and what's, uh, um, what a person has to offer and, and versus the skill needed uh, will go down significantly. I think also in terms of from a management perspective, you will have a tremendous amount of information and understanding of uh, organizational dynamics, be able to manage uh, through issues, the typical change management issues that companies encounter, simply because you can now synthesize that information, collect that information, and process it in a, in, in a meaningful way that humans will not be able to do, but machines can do that for us. Um, third thing is that you obviously will have to um, respond to be a, being a service-oriented department, respond to the requirements of different functions like marketing, finance, all that, who will be going through a lot of automation. 
and they would have to plan their organizations in terms of um, uh, the balance between machines work or machine work and human work. And uh, you, uh, human resources departments, will be instrumental in guiding them uh, through that transition. So I think there's a lot of work uh, that lies ahead of human resources. And when you bring these machines in, there are really two things you're looking at. One, how can I use these machines to improve my human resource function? And uh, two is that how uh, you can help the organization become better through uh, combined human computer uh, interaction. Yeah, I think the th- that's fascinating, Al. First of all, but I think that it's it's really profound the the changes that are upon us and and what right. we need to think about, particularly in terms of workforce development, workforce planning. Um, one of the things that really excites me, um, I'm also a diversity and inclusion professional. The the application of AI to help us do things like screening resumes. Absolutely. And removing the human bias from a lot of these these processes. So I'm really excited about a lot of these applications. But taking this from kind of this more macro level to the micro level, what does the AI revolution mean for me, the individual, the listener out there who's thinking about their own careers? So think of it this way, that uh, when um, we went through the Internet revolution, um, if we were in newspaper business, it's not that we stop publishing news or that the appetite for news change or people actually consume a lot more news now than they did before. It's the delivery mechanism of news that change. So if you were um, uh, you uh, were smart at that time, you switch to um, you know blogging and and you switch to online news delivery system and newspapers uh, instead of uh, doing printing your newspaper on on paper. Same thing with AI. As AI comes, we have to become advanced users of AI. So we it's not the consumption or the um, of of uh, products and services would change. It is how um, they are delivered, uh, which significantly be altered and. Um, we will have uh, much more customization uh, at an individual level based on these technologies. So what we need to do is uh, it's not that every one of us needs to become a machine learning expert, which will, which is impractical and it will not happen. But what we need to do is to learn about the tools in AI and also how they fit in with our specific careers. So if I'm a finance person, I need to understand what the financial uh, developments, you know, from fintech and uh, from uh, blockchain and artificial intelligence technologies are coming. If I am, um, uh, you know, a marketing professional, I need to understand the AI technologies that I can use. If I'm a human resources, I have to understand what the impact will be from AI solutions. So those are the things that people need to start understanding now to uh, design their careers so that they are not um, left as uh, publishing newspaper on paper and uh, not moving on to the internet. So, Al, you have a daughter who's in Gen Z, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? No, she is. Uh, she's uh, in high school. In high school. Yeah. Oh, which is Gen Z because she was born. At, uh, the, yes, the, you're right. The, the this mid- is that. That's Gen Z. Yes. Yeah. So this is our next generation who's going to enter the workforce. Right. Thinking about everything you just talked about how some of these jobs are going to be transformed by AI. What do you think are some of the the soft skills, the critical skills that 
our next generation is going to need? Oh, that's a that's a great question. I think that um, most important is uh, flexibility. Uh, that you have to uh, be very very comfortable with change, and uh, because uh, and and I think second thing is that uh, your uh, rational orientation would be uh, and and data centric decision making would be key key things that we have to start teaching people now. We still, as you mentioned, that we still carry a lot of bias in our decision making. Um, the ability to show the difference between optimized versus non-optimized decisions will be very, very clear as we go forward with technology. And uh, technology will provide us guidance at some time, at, you know, and, and in certain uh, times it will be even better than what we can do. So the ability to develop that trust and faith in technology will be important. Uh, if you sit in an autonomous car that is driving you know, itself, uh, uh, just the way we uh, uh, learned how to deal with ATM and, you know, um, in the same way we will be able to develop certain type of uh, comfort with technology. But for um, young people, I think that having flexibility and becoming more uh, rational in decision, making decisions uh, based on data, uh, develop those critical skills would be very, very important. I want to pick up on on this thread around trust. So we need to trust in the technology that's being developed. And, and part of your goal is to um, develop responsible AI. Can right. you talk to me a little bit more about that? Sure. So we have this uh, tendency as a society that whenever someone talks about innovation, we don't uh, um, think about, you know, at that point, we don't necessarily think about all these side effects and, and, and you know, what would happen once technology is launched. Um, and it, while it's good because it creates jobs, it creates momentum, it gives us, you know, it creates productivity and competitive advantage, certain technologies, especially in which people are already predicting that there are some dangers, mm -hmm. um, we need to approach that in a responsible way, just like we approach medicines in a responsible way, right? So we don't just, if someone says that, you know, I found a medicine for to cure cancer, we don't just throw it out. We go through clinical trials. We go through the whole FDA approval process. So I'm not uh, saying that we need extensive regulation, um, but I am saying that we need some level of governance so that people can actually uh, can can say that our you know how technology's introduction will impact society uh, even jobs we should be able to calculate that in some ways and then uh, uh, prescribe some kind of remediation or um, strategy that that helps you know especially on the policy side uh, to make sure that we don't, we're not exposed as a society as a civilization usually there's a lag factor when technologies come out uh, it takes about 10 years before social scientists get involved and say, well, you know, we just got went through this great uh, recession because we packaged risk in uh, using technology and then we spread the risk all over the world and created that interdependencies between risk uh, aspects. So now when things went bad, you know, all of a sudden we had this, uh, you know, great market crash or great recession or flash crash, you know, all of those things that happen, which are attributable to technology. Um, those are the things we need to avoid as a society, and social scientists need to get involved up front in this revolution, and as well as uh, governance, I think, needs to be a key aspect of that. Because if governance doesn't happen, then there will be a backlash, and it will lead to direct regulation. So, you know, and I think that governance offers this path in which self-governance uh, could be could be a, a really, really good 
thing at this point to manage artificial intelligence. And where do you see, um, is it the American Institute of AI who would be leading the way in governance? Where do you see that lead coming from? We, we are, we have developed, in fact, the first exact thing that we did before we launched anything, uh, any of our courses, any of our research innovation, first thing was we developed a very comprehensive governance model. And um, that's, that's uh, something that we believe, you know, I'm a big proponent of. Uh, that we believe that must go mainstream in terms of managing this this technology. I want to end our our conversation. I could talk to you for hours, um, but the the show does have uh, is time bound. So w- one last question. I seem to to hear that a lot of these conversations around AI are binary. They either describe it the future as a utopia or they describe the future as a dystopia. Briefly, what would you like to see that future conversation be? It is what we make it to be, meaning the future. And at this point, for example, when texting came out, we didn't think that 36% or 35% of accidents would happen because of texting, right? So um, it's a future that we are making. We're constructing that future. And the same way as uh, uh, we approach climate change and we approach nuclear technology, we need to approach uh, artificial intelligence also with a sense of awareness. Um, and this just means that it's, uh, it is a future that we create it to be. And um, as long as, you know, so just last week, I think a lot of AI researchers came together and filed a um, you know, an, uh, a request to the United Nations to stop killer robots, you know, um, and the advent of killer robots. So that's the future uh, that we are trying to either stop or make. So my, again, advice is that as civilization, we have a great responsibility. This change is a huge, huge change. Uh, it's, uh, its magnitude is immense. Uh, we should approach it responsibly. Well, Al, thank you so much thank for you. being here today. It's been a real delight to speak to you, and it's heartening to know that we have people like you at the helm of guiding this future of AI. The, the future certainly is, is fantastic. Um, thanks to all my listeners out there, and it's been a real pleasure to be a guest host on the Workforce Show today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Workforce Show. This interview and others can be found at WERA.FM or at CareerCentralOnline.com. Thank you for listening. Until the next time.